are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Friday, final show of the week, final show before the All-Star Game on Sunday. We'll touch on the All-Star stuff in the third segment, but we're going to spend the first two on the Pelicans. Looking at the game last night and then the Pelicans in the larger picture as we hit the break here. We'll have more on this on Monday and Tuesday as well. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So last night's game, a 103-93 loss to the Miami Heat, playing on the second night of back-to-back and with without Zion Williamson, who was out with a right pinky toe, which kind of came out of nowhere. You know, he had just played the night before. He was just shooting shots after the game. And then it came out a little bit before uh, everyone was getting to the arena that he was listed as doubtful. Ended up not playing, which is no real big surprise. And I wonder if this is just a way to kind of keep him out of the all-star game in some capacity. But we don't need to speculate too much. But without Zion, you knew this one really might be tough. Other than Brandon Ingram, there's no one that really scares an opponent. And he was going to get just double teamed, triple teamed, quadruple teamed at times, and they really did do a good job of trying to limit him. By the way, he finished with 17 points on the night, nine assists because they were forcing the ball out of his hand, five rebounds, two of five from deep, six of 12 from the field, and just no one else really a threat. This team looked pretty bad, and the Miami Heat built up a fairly significant lead in the first half. Um, getting as big as 17 points. And it looked like at one point in the third quarter, they were going to be up by 15 going into the fourth, which is never really a good sign. And New Orleans just didn't, didn't have it. No one, no one hit 20 points in this game. You got some, you know, mid teens from a number of guys, but just nothing enough. And when you have the Miami Heat with Jimmy Butler, who was going off and scoring at will, make it a little bit easier for them. They weren't particularly good in this game, but New Orleans, the offense wasn't there in this one without Zion, and you had guys who just weren't feeling it. They scored 15 points in the first quarter in this one. Just pretty abysmal night. Lonzo wasn't feeling it in this game. He was 2 of 11 from 3. We'll talk about him in the next segment a little bit more. Eric Bledsoe, 9 points. Steven Adams, 15. Josh Hart, 12, starting in place of Zion, basically. It's just a mess without Zion in there. It shows you how important he is to this roster. Just adding another threat out there opens things up a little bit more for a guy like Brandon Ingram. Lonzo Ball not getting the same high-quality looks from three like he normally does. How many step-backs did he take in this one? That's not a shot, right? It's catch-and-shoot, set position, not step-back threes. And he was taking those step-back threes. And he had a pretty bad game in this one. But the starters overall just kind of floundered. Didn't look good. Didn't look like they really want to go out and try and care. And that's where I get to some issues with this team and what we saw in this game. Again, same effort issues we saw two nights ago when the Pelicans lost to the Chicago Bulls. You still saw it here. And so Stan Van Gunny made a switch. And to start the to end the third, start the fourth, you saw the, the bench gang come in. And they were doing some work, really led by Kyra Lewis Jr. in this one, who finished with 11 points on the night. He was 7 of 9. Nikhil hit some threes. He scored 13, though, inefficiently on 14 shots, 4 of 14. You even had some Jackson Hayes minutes where he actually showed off a flash or two on defense, made a play. And then with the game within four, he subbed the, Stan Van Gundy subbed the starters back in. 
This is a, literally a, a night after he goes, well, I was going to keep the starters on the bench because they just didn't have it and didn't bring the energy. And I was going to go with the group that got us back in this game. And then literally 24 hours later, less than 24 hours later, he does the exact opposite of that. Pulled Kyra Lewis Jr., who played 17 minutes, put in Eric Bledsoe, put in Lonzo Ball, put in the starters who had not had it going in this game. The defense from the starters was bad, 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 bad. At least you saw some fight from the bench guys, and he decided to pull them. I do not get this whatsoever. There were two players on the team with a positive plus minus in this game. One was Nicolo Melli, who's 0 for 5, but chipped in 7 rebounds, 4 assists. He was positive 1, plus 1. The other was Kyra Lewis Jr., who was plus 7. That's how much better the team was with him on the court, and it was obvious, you could see it, right, than anyone else. So why why did they pull him? Why not let him close when he was the guy that got you there and made it close? And it flies against everything that Stan Van Gundy said the night before. And then witnessed it in action, right? I I do not get the inconsistency there. Now, I don't think they need to fire Stan Van Gundy or or David Griffin for that matter. I'm not going to jump to any of that stuff. It takes a while to get there. But I, I, I do not at all at all understand this particularly with it you know it would be one thing it was like two weeks later right no this was 24 hours later and he went against everything he had said and it just leads you to a question of what the hell is this pelicans team doing what what the hell is this pelicans team doing and i'm supposed to be the guy here with an answer right and explain it i don't have one I don't even know if there is one. And I don't even know at times if this Pelicans team knows what they're doing. So let's get into a couple comments from David Griffin because I think they're a little bit eye-opening and makes makes you kind of tilt your head. And I'll give you a stat or two regarding this. Then we'll get into all-star stuff. And then we'll try and diagnose this team more in the beginning part of next week while still on the all-star break. So that's coming up next here on Locked On Pelicans. Before we get to all that, today's episode of Locked on Pelicans brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are all in full swing. It's almost March Madness, which is kind of wild to think about. BetOnline even covers TV shows, awards, and reality TV. They have real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. And BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds that you want. It's the best place to place your wager, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus when you use the promo code locked on with your first deposit. Again, that's promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus. Free money right there. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. This morning on Locked On Today, Big Ben is back in yellow and black. Is that a good thing for the Pittsburgh Steelers? Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so now we're at the All-Star break, and it's pretty disappointing for the Pelicans so far this season. They are three games out of the little play-in tournament, play-in bracket that the NBA is going to be doing. So they're within striking distance, but given what we've seen from this team the first half of this year, look, is anyone really expecting them to turn it around? Like, is there a light bulb that's going to go off, an epiphany that they have, something that just causes them to put it all together and go on a bit of a run? I I can't say there's like anything I've seen other than Zion just being freaking awesome that would really spark something like that. And that's frustrating. When you look at this right now, the Pelicans have the same record as the Oklahoma City Thunder. 
the Thunder who are like trying to tear it down to the studs and be as bad as possible and tank for draft picks and or tank for a good draft pick and get other draft picks by taking on bad contracts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They, they were supposed to be the worst team in the league. They're not. That's Minnesota, which is interesting because they're going to come up here in something in a second, too. And they have the same record as the Pelicans. What does that say about everything going on around this team? No, nothing good. And it's interesting because in last night's game, you the young guys were keeping you in this and were making you uh, have a chance to win the game and trying harder than the starters, but you benched them. And it's been frustrating because I think everyone has wanted to see Kyra Lewis Jr. play more than he actually has. So David Griffin was on ESPN Radio on, his, on the Pelicans Weekly Show and talked about this. And it's a long quote. I'm going to read everything here. And this is him on why uh, they don't just play all of the young guys so far this season. It's, quote, the way you learn how to win in this league is to value winning. If what we're going to do is play to win games and the young kids realize that their minutes are not a given, then they don't take those minutes for granted. They attack them in a totally different way. You don't learn how to win without coveting winning. You just don't bestow minutes on kids. Where we're struggling right now is finding a way to play those guys in a way that makes sense within the framework of a system that doesn't allow for practice to put them in a position to succeed when they're on the court. It's complicated. I think the coaches have done a remarkable job trying to find the balance there. There's more to the quote, end quote, and there's more to the quote. I'll read that here in a second. I I find this weird that he doesn't want the young guys to take minutes for granted, but the starters very clearly are taking these minutes for granted. This is, this is like the definition of Eric Bledsoe so far this season. So what he doesn't want to happen is coming with the guys who are playing 35 minutes per game and they're not going to win when your starters just aren't showing up and aren't trying. And that's what we've seen the past two games, particularly with Eric Bledsoe. What message does that send, right? I, I, I don't really know. This is, in a weird way... Here, I'll get to here. Let's read more to it and then we'll get to it in a second. So, quote, I really take exception to, well, if you're losing, you may as well be playing the young guys. That doesn't make any sense. In fact, there's a clear correlation to the teams that didn't value winning openly, went much longer without making the playoff playoff appearances than other teams did. We've had teams in this league go at 10 consecutive years without playoffs, 15, 14 out of 15 years, when in almost all of those cases they were tanking and they were deliberately giving minutes to young kids or not playing totally healthy, good players so that they could build their draft standing you don't learn to win in that setting and we're not going to do that if there's going to be any expectation we're just going to throw young kids out there that's not what we're going to do end quote so there's a lot and i find a lot wrong with this too so first and foremost this is like the idea of making your kids value food by not feeding them dinner and starving them i don't know if that's the best way to go about it right oh yeah you'll you'll really eat whatever vegetables we put on the plate if we don't give you dinner that, that's kind of what he's saying here. We're not going to give you minutes. You value those minutes more. Uh, to some extent, I understand what he's saying. To some extent, I understand what he's saying. In terms of the the 10 seasons, 15 seasons, whatever have you, without, you know, because teams are tanking the whole time. I don't think that's that. A lot of bad luck plays in. The Minnesota Timberwolves are an example of this, and they just fired their head coach. And in basically two two years, a year, they've only played five healthy games with their whole roster. They've only had Towns and D'Angelo Russell play together like five games or something like that. You're just not going to win. The The Sacramento Kings have been mismanaged, not that they're tanking, that they spent money on bad players and probably played some of those guys over young players, to be perfectly honest, when you look at some of the decisions they've made in free agency and things that they've done. So I don't don't agree with that. And then here's the other thing. 
This is what really gets me. You know what? If you have a team full of talented players that are going out and you could win with them or like be, you know, be an eighth seed, ninth seed with them, sure, play those guys. But the but the young guys here in New Orleans, particularly Kyra, are at times playing better than the starters. They're producing more than the starters are. Shouldn't you be playing your best players? Oh, we've got a real talented kid who's better than Eric Bledsoe, or at least playing better than Eric Bledsoe right now. Let's not play him because we want him to earn it. He's playing better. He's earned it. You know who hasn't earned it? Eric Bledsoe right now. Among others on this team, I think. So when I hear this this comment, it's like, are, are you not are you seeing things differently than what we're seeing out there on the court? And look, he's not going to answer that question. He's not going to come on Locked On Pelicans, I've asked. Um, they We won't get an answer to it. But it's frustrating to hear all of that because you read this quote, you hear this quote, and in a game like last night, when Kyra Lewis Jr. was outplaying Bloodsoe and Lonzo Ball, probably combined outplaying them, right? And you don't play him down the stretch. What what message is that sending? What 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 does that teach them? Oh well, you know you're young, so too bad you haven't earned the minutes. Even though he did, I, I do not get this approach. I get that just don't only play young guys just to play young guys. Sure. But that's not what's happening here for the team. And I don't think people would be clamoring for that if you were seeing quality production from Eric Bledsoe or more consistent production from Lonzo Ball, who's had a rough past two games. That, if that was happening, no one would be saying anything. But that's not what's happening. And that's what's so frustrating about this. And that's what's so frustrating about the season and why it's so head-scratching all of the decisions that San Van has made like throughout the year. It has not been... I don't think it's as bad as people are making it out to be, and they clearly figured out something with Point Zion. But some of the rotation decisions, the the minutes decisions, unbelievably head-scratching. And it's frustrating to watch. And I get why people are very frustrated. And frankly, that's what um, David Griffin should be more frustrated about than fans wanting to see young guys who are highly drafted players out there playing. How about the guy you traded Drew Holiday for and Eric Bledsoe, or well, as you got back, we should say, not even remotely living up to his all-defensive team stature. Be more frustrated about that than fans saying you should play Kyra Lewis Jr. over the guy who's underperforming. So we'll get into the all-star game here in just a second, but before we do that, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Blue Chew is making waves and bringing more confidence to the bedroom. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew's tablets combat all forms of ED and can help men gain extra confidence when it's time to perform. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy and it ships right to your door in a discreet package the process is simple sign up at bluechew.com consult with one of their licensed medical providers and once you're approved you'll receive your prescription within days the best part all done online. Blue Chew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. You don't like swallowing pills? No problem here because Blue Chew's Sildenafil and Tadalafil tablets are chewable. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and they prepare and ship discreetly so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. So if you could benefit from an extra from extra confidence when it's time to perform, visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information and we got a special deal for our listeners play 
Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code locked on at checkout and just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code locked on to receive your first month free. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Go check out the Locked On Saints podcast hosted by Ross Jackson. Some pretty sad news with the Saints yesterday and Thomas Morstead being let go by the team. Really a beloved player and a punter at that. Go check out Locked On Saints for more on what the Saints are doing with the salary cap situation, which we know they're going to manage pretty well. Are they in the active running trading for Russell Wilson? All of that and more with host Ross Jackson over at Locked On Saints, wherever you get your podcasts. So wrapping up today's show, All-Star Game this weekend, Sunday, which is going to be kind of fun to watch. Like You're going to see some pretty cool scoring. Um, the Elam ending is always fun. They're doing a lot of really great social justice community work with this game and just kind of making the best of a situation where, frankly, they shouldn't be playing. And I've seen some reports out of Atlanta that like bar service is going to go longer, things like that. Because the All-Star Game's there, they probably shouldn't be doing this, but they are, and for how they're playing the game, which the with the HBCUs taking center stage at all of this, if they got to play the game, which they they do, I guess, they're, they're doing it as well as they could with the messaging they want to send, I think. So I like it. I'm happy with it. It's good. Um, and Zion is going to be in it potentially. Did not play last night because of the, the injured right pinky toe. Um, but he was selected in the All-Star Draft on Team Kevin Durant. So if he is playing, he'll get in on the action there. Not going to likely play too many minutes. And I think the team probably doesn't really want him playing at all. But we'd love to see a big dunk or a highlight play from him in what's going to be his first All-Star game. And I'm sure he wants to play as well. They all want to play in that first All-Star game. It's a really big deal to the team. Also selected to the Rising Stars game as Nikhil Alexander-Walker was, but they're not playing that either. So you'll see some Zion, but don't expect too much. I don't think this is like it when Anthony Davis um, won the MVP and set the scoring record here in New Orleans a couple of years ago, which was really fun, I think. In terms of the three-point shootout in the dunk contest, going to give you my picks really quickly here. For the three-point contest, I'm torn between Devin Booker and Steph Curry. Both are previous winners. Curry in 2014-2015, Booker in 17-18, where he scored the most points in three-point contest history. It's tough to kind of go against him there, right? Um, but Zach Levine could sneak into this too. The odds are Steph Curry, Zach Levine, Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, um, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Give me Booker at plus 500. Sounds Pretty good for a former winner who has the highest score in All-Star Game history. They're also going to have the skills challenge. This one, to me, has got to be either Chris Paul or Luka Doncic. Give it to Luka Doncic, um, I think, for that one as well. Those are both going to be before the actual game. And then for the slam dunk contest, you've got Obi Toppin, Anthony Simmons, and Cassius Stanley. Sorry, Simons. And... I like Cassius Stanley in this, just kind of long, lanky dude. Obi Toppin's the favorite. He's he's probably going to win, um, but I'm, I'm kind of intrigued with Cassius Stanley from the Pacers if he can kind of pull this off because that dude's got some hops and been kind of impressed what I've seen from him in limited minutes here and there. So we'll see. It should be at least like a fun night, kind of a little bit lighthearted, take our mind off of whatever the hell is going on with New Orleans and the Pelicans here. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all very much for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Zion has a big game. We'll recap it on Monday. If not, we'll keep talking about what this team looks like in the second half of the season and with the young guys and when does that thinking start to shift. So... Be back with you all on Monday.